0: Today we are celebrating the feast of Saint Joseph the Worker. This is not a major feast. It's uh, it's uh, not even obligatory. It's a, it's an optional memorial, and it was uh, instituted by Pius XII back in nineteen fifty five. Partly just to help us with our devotion to St. Joseph, but also partly in response to the kind of communist takeover of work that the communists who were very powerful by the 1950s, tried to dominate the whole world of work and kind of pretend that it was really a kind of communist interest. And Pius XII responded very wisely by showing, well, look at St. Joseph as a, as a great worker and no communist either. And we, we might say, well, communism thankfully has waned greatly. And therefore, is this feast day any less significant? But I think in it, in, in a way, it has a new significance. And that might be a significance for, for Catholics who are tempted to feel a little bit kind of alienated in their workplace, like in their office or school or university or wherever it might be, that they kind of feel, well, this environment is a little bit hostile and I kind of feel I don't belong here. Or other areas of work like politics or business or this kind of thing where we might feel, hmm, is this the place for a practicing Catholic? And I think this this feast to Saint Joseph the Worker shows us that Yes, it is that we Christians have to roll up our sleeves just like anybody else and get totally immersed in the world of work, not feel that somehow we're either excluded or even kind of exempted from the world of work. So for this brief meditation, I'd just like to do a kind of mental experiment, and that is to imagine a typical day or aspects of a typical typical day of St. Joseph the Worker, and which begins, you might say oddly enough, with a commute. Now, we don't normally think of Saint Joseph commuting to work because we think of him having a little workshop just adjacent to the house at Nazareth. But funny enough, it is, there's a high possibility that Saint Joseph was a commuter because there was a, I suppose it's become archaeology has made it, has made it even clearer. There was a, nearby town called Sepphoris, six kilometers from Nazareth. And Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, he had decided that this would be his headquarters. It didn't really work out that way. But uh, but there was a huge building work then that went on in the time that St. Joseph would have been uh, working. So between 4 BC and 39 AD, there was a huge building project that took place in Sepphoris. And so it is very easy to imagine St. Joseph And eventually with the young Jesus traveling each day, each day of the working week, those six kilometers to Sepphoris in the morning, and then commuting back in the evening, back to the Holy House of Nazareth and Our Lady and the evening meal and resting. And so it is kind of interesting to think of St. Joseph, the commuter, heading off with his tools and with, with, with Jesus for a day's work, heading off perhaps with a dozen or two dozen other craftsmen from Nazareth. Heading off together, talking about the day ahead, talking about whatever it is, commuting just like we see. Or you might be a commuter, on the trains, buses, cars, or walking or cycling to work and back each day. And so, I, I like to imagine Saint Joseph, the commuter, his his um, his sleeves rolled up, just like anybody else. And then, an extension of that is to imagine Saint Joseph, that the rules apply to him just like anybody else. Now, even in the very early years of the Church, we see a, a certain temptation to say that this is not so, because he's a saint, because he's so holy. He's not a worker just like anybody else. And for example, one of the stories that's told in the Apocryphal Gospel of Saint Thomas is of uh, St. Joseph being asked to produce a couch by a wealthy client and lamenting the fact he didn't have any long pieces of wood and the young eight-year-old Jesus comes, jumps to the rescue saying, Dad, hold, hold one end of this piece of wood and Jesus pulls the other one and extends out a plank of wood to the right, to the right length. Well, the story might be pious, it might be charming but it is, of course, completely fictitious. If Joseph was stuck for wood, well, like any other carpenter, he was stuck for wood. And he'd have to find another solution. Go out and buy some, join some wood together, whatever it is. So it it, is, in some sense, a silly story, but in a certain sense it points to a kind of temptation. And that temptation of feeling the Catholic, the Christian, is somehow exempted, somehow even excluded from the same rules that apply to anybody else. And I think, for example, we, we might have even found it difficult to imagine Saint Joseph kind of pursuing as somebody who hadn't paid his, his bills. And Saint Joseph, I think, didn't pay for a couch or a table or whatever it was. And, and Joseph has to call around and say, excuse me. If you don't mind, I need my, I need my bill. I need my money. My family has to eat too. Uh, and there's nothing contrary to being a good Christian and doing that. Or, I don't know, haggling, haggling down a price are refusing to buy shoddy shoddy wood or whatever it is that that Saint Joseph isn't in some kind of fuzzy feel good world where these things don't apply. He also has to work in, in in that way. Another little thing, again, we might imagine Saint Joseph, even if we imagine commuting to work, where then at lunchtime himself and Jesus slipping off to be by themselves, for example, to pray or talk about celestial things. Again, I think that would be very dangerous. I like to imagine Saint Joseph at lunchtime joining his fellow workers, who he would dearly love as comrades, as people who shared his life and his lifestyle, his interests, and that perhaps St. Joseph really looked forward to spending a lunch break, chatting with the workers, laughing, talking about things of common interest. And, And Jesus, as he grows older, joining in all the more. Just because he is such a great saint doesn't mean he's exempted or excluded from the conviviality of lunchtime with his co-workers, in a sense, quite the opposite. So there's some little ideas, small things, but pointing to the fact of St. Joseph, and by extension, every Christian layman or laywoman involved in the world of work in that way. But really, you know, it's just like anybody else, of course, sanctifying it, as St. Joseph must have sanctified his work, but really being a real worker in the world. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, into seed for me.